cast your mind back to the 1850s, would you be brave enough to take a photo of you and your lover, knowing that if anyone ever found out about your queer lifestyle, you could lose your job, your family, your whole way of living? On today's show, we speak to the guys behind the coffee table book, a loving photographic history of men in love, 1850 to 1950. Hugh and Neil, welcome to LGBTI Conversations. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Now, you've got a fantastic book out at the moment, Loving a Photographic History of Men in Love in the 1850s to the 1950s. How did this all come together? Uh, Well, accidentally, which is why we call this the Accidental Collection. Um, It was a Sunday afternoon in, in Dallas, Texas. Neil and I were leaving church and headed home. And on the way, we stopped at an antique mall that we'd been to a couple of times before. And I, this is Neil, I was uh, rummaging through one of the little booths and found a box full of photos. And one of them was a photograph of two guys and kind of a romantic embrace. And I'd never seen a photo like that in an antique store. So I took off to show Hugh what I'd found. And we thought we better buy this. So we took up the front, paid. I think five bucks for it and the other photos in the stack and brought it home and put it on our desk. And we looked at it, it floated around for a while. And about six months later, we came across another one and thought, oh my gosh, there's two in the world. And you know, that we, one was uh, in California or? Yeah. Yeah. Found it in California, and it was it was an army guy and his buddy, and it was in a little glass frame that said had etched in it, uh, "Always yours." And but it really wasn't until about five years into it, four years into it, we we realized we were actually collecting something because she would find one, I would find one. We had really busy schedules, we're Sometimes traveling all the time. Together, but yeah, but it's and we were just throwing them in a in a folder in the file in a filing cabinet, and we were um, I think both of us independently kind of went. Wow, we're as we go through them, we're we're actually collecting something. We we probably had several hundred photographs at the point where we finally realized that we were doing something intentional without realizing it, and that's what became. At that point, we were intentionally collecting. So, was probably four or five years into it, we think. Were you and, guys pretty amazed when you found the first one? What were you kind of thinking when that happened? Like, wow, they were taking photos back. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Neil, like he said, he found it. Uh, we had split up, and we were in different parts of this antique mall and he'll hunted me down found me and showed me what he had what he'd come across and the photograph was really beautiful uh unfortunately it was a little bit um a little bit dark and a little bit too much in the distance that it couldn't be in the book it was not a sufficient quality but uh despite the fact that it wasn't it wasn't the right quality to be in the book it still had it, it evoked a very romantic uh feeling between the two guys uh one is standing uh and the other is behind him with his arms draped around his shoulders and they're gazing off together into a very dreamy landscape and it just it made us think you know it reminded us of ourselves and we were yeah. we thought wow how did something like how does something like this still exist that you know it was probably about 70 years old at that time now how was it ever taken in the first yeah. place how did it manage to survive all those years to end up in Dallas Texas of all places and for us to find it we were pretty astounded by the one photograph thinking it was the only one we would ever find it was the only one in the world and we found it and that was it because photos back then too were a big thing they weren't like today where you've got your selfies you take a photo you forget about it you know what I mean it's was actually actually a costly thing to do so also and to take photos during that time of two men in a loving brace that would have also been pretty outrageous Yes. And, um, and to your point, you know, 100 years ago, 170 years ago, which would be our, our oldest photographs, people might have only taken one or two photographs of themselves during their entire lifetime. And so for two men to choose 
the one or two times they would do this in their lifetime to be together in a romantic embrace or a romantic cut settings was uh, stood out as, as very unlikely and, and uh, rare and important. So with all the photos you collected, how many do you think you, you currently have? We have a little over 3,700 photos now. When we produced the book, we had 27, around 2,700. So, but we've continued to collect. So there could be a version two in the making somewhere? We Most are, definitely. Yeah, we, we were going to publish it in tw- the end of 2021 and we so we published this book in the beginning of COVID in October of 2020. And then it was pushed another year because the book was still doing so well. And our publishers are, and co-publishers have asked that we wait until fall of 2023 uh, for the next one. So such we'll a see. great coffee table book. It's so unique as well. There's so many coffee table books out there in the world, but this is truly unique and it's done really tasteful too. I think the period reflects that as well, but as a whole, it's a great, great book. Now I was looking through the book with all the photos and each one you think, wow, oh, this is amazing. But the one that really caught my eye, and you could probably tell me a bit more of a story of this, was the two guys there. And although we're in this era where even taking a photo in a loving embrace was pretty rare they've actually got a sign saying not married but willing to be like that's pretty amazing stuff to even have that sign yeah that is that is an extraordinary photograph it's actually one of five photographs of this couple uh it's it was probably taken around 1900 and the uh provenance of a photo like this is kind of interesting in that the sign they're holding is uh something that a photographer would have in his studio along with funny hats or musical instruments or tools or umbrellas or flowers. And it would just be a way to get the subjects, their customers, uh, to pose for one more photograph and he would make more money that way. So this young couple found this sign or was were handed the sign, we don't know which. And the sign was meant for uh, a heterosexual single male who is sort of uh, launching himself into the social atmosphere for ladies. So his sign is meant to read, uh, I'm not married ladies, but I'm willing to be ladies. And in this case, these two young men had the self-awareness and uh, prescience to pick up the sign and hold it up together, giving it an entirely different meaning, which would be, we're not married to each other, but we're willing to be married to each other, which is extraordinary. And the, the photograph, this photograph that you mentioned, has kind of become the iconic image of the book at this point. Marriage equality live and well back in the early 1900s. Right, exactly. It wasn't even a conversation then or a thought, except for between these two guys, apparently. There's, um, you know, a lot of people see the photograph and they say, well, you know, they were handed that sign, maybe they are looking for wives themselves. But the, the five photos tell the story yeah. and it's, there's the one beside it on the page right across from it. And they're gazing into each other's eyes. They have their hands uh, on the umbrella stem and their fingers are overlaid on each other. Uh, and another photo that's not in the book, they're gazing into each other's eyes. So it's, you know, it's such a beautiful story with all five. They're, they're definitely referring to one another, not, you know, females out there or anything like that. So do you guys have a favorite photo in the book? Well, that one is mine. The one that you just yeah. mentioned and, and there's and, another really nice one that Neil will talk about. Yeah, there's one on page 210 and 211. And it's two guys that uh, look like they're having a picnic. They're laying in the grass. There's a loaf of bread with a knife in it. And 
one uh, it's kind of draped over the other one and the one laying on his back has a blanket pulling up a little bit over his face um when we launched the book we were interviewed by the guardian in the uk and a professor from vienna reached out to the guardian and said can you get me in contact with the publishers of this book i know who or the authors of the book i know who is in the photograph my question is who took the photograph and what is the date of the photo so he recognized the two guys as the one on top is Rupert Brooke, who is a famous poet from the UK, and Duncan Grant, who's a famous artist from the UK. They both obviously are have uh, passed away. Um, but, you know, we were like, oh, this is really interesting. We dated the photo to about 1910. We don't know who took the photo, um, but, um, you know, we did. We went on to uh, Google and search and did a lot of photo searches. And if it's not them, it's their twin. About three or four weeks after that, there was a scholar from Canada who has done a lot of research on uh, Duncan Grant. And he said, the same thing. He reached out to us and said, do you realize you have a picture of Rupert Brooke and Duncan Grant in your book? <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's not signed or anything, uh, but we feel like, you know, we're 99% certain that's who it is. Wow. Six degrees of separation live and well there. <laughs> yes. Were you able to find out any other history of the photos you've used in, in the current book? Has anyone else come forward with the story like that? Well, nobody else has come forward. Uh, however, the couple on pages 110, 111, is that right? 110. Yeah. 110. Yeah, it's 110. They are American soldiers from World War II. Uh, we acquired all of the photographs of them through one of the soldiers' living nephew. Everybody in this story is from Texas. Neil and I are from Texas. The two soldiers are from Texas and his nephew is also from Texas. And if you're going to have one story of only one story, which is what we have, only one, if you're going to have only one story of uh, a couple in your book, this is a great one to have. These two soldiers belong to uh, the 42nd Infantry Division, which is nicknamed since World War I, the Rainbow Division. It wow. didn't mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there are pictures of these guys, these soldiers in, in Europe in front of their headquarters and somebody's painting a big giant rainbow on the building or the big billboard that they have, you know, as you enter the campgrounds, it says Rainbow Division. They're posing very proudly in, in front of these rainbow insignias. But the Rainbow Division is also famous for um, having liberated Dachau concentration camp on April 29th, 1945. So uh, there have been two books written about this division and their the roles that they played during World War II. And so these two soldiers, uh, there are several photographs of them uh, that are in very friendly, but appear to be slightly intimate embraces or, or postures, I, I guess would be a better word. And then later on, after having collected many of the photographs of of them in very tame poses, we came across the one that's on the top of page yes. 110. Yeah, at the top, which is the two soldiers embracing in the snow in the Alps in Kitzbühel, Austria. And um, they're both wearing rings that they gave each other. And one of those rings is worn every day to this day by the surviving nephew. Wow, that's amazing. Live and well. Even back then, we were always around. Yeah. Now, what do you think, if the guys could see this book today, what do you think their thoughts would be? Oh, I think it's, I think about that. I don't know. I think we both think we about both that We both think a lot. about it. Uh, you, you can't help but wonder um, these subjects 
these uh, romantic male couples who, um, you know, swam against the current and took these photographs and then for the very survival had to keep them hidden during their lifetimes. I can't imagine or we can't imagine that there's any way they could have predicted that these photographs that they kept hidden would one day end up in a beautiful book that's being celebrated all over the world. Photographs that they took just for themselves are sort of changing the way people think about male couples and uh, people think about love actually just uh, by itself. It's just to imagine them say, you know, sitting up in heaven, looking down on us, passing this book around and, and ooing and eyeing over their photographs is, uh, is a, kind of a beautiful thought exercise. Yeah, it's a pretty amazing thing. And I don't think even in their wildest dreams, uh, fast forward 100, 150 years, that be this coffee table book that would be in a lot of houses throughout the world, not only the US, right? photos in it. And people actually looking at them and going, wow, these are, are magical photos. Yeah. We do have, um, Neil, you want to tell this about what? the postcard that we have? Duplicate of the, oh, this, is a, this is an Australian story. We actually have, I think, two photos from Australia. In our collection, we have, and I can't remember which page it's on, but it's a, a two young men and one has his finger in his mouth. He's kind of uh, biting his knuckle and, and with a slight giggle to his look and his face. And the first uh, photograph or of this postcard photo that we received was from Michigan. And uh, dated 1909 yeah. on the back. Yeah. And uh, just a great photo. And it had a little bit of writing on it. Jump forward to about 10 years later. And I found it an online auction from Australia, the same postcard photo uh, that uh, was dated 1907, I think, yeah, a year later. And it had a story about them just coming home and they were sitting there. So they had sent the postcard to someone. So we have two of the same couple that um, one of it went from Michigan all the way, some way to Australia. And now it's back to the U.S. and those two are together. Um, the postcard photos, you could go and have your photograph taken and have two, five, ten postcards made that were really beautifully uh, sepia tone um, printed on them. And, you know, some people mailed them, some people kept them because they were just great photos. So we we love just, that one because yeah. it's from Australia. <laughs> yeah, and it's just interesting. These photographs started out together in the early 1900s. They got split up. One stayed here in the U.S., one went to Australia. And somehow we found the one in Australia and brought it back home, more or less home, to New York anyway. You brought them together, the missing files. Yes, we brought them back together, <laughs> yes. Now, there is another love story here uh, between you two guys. You've been together for over 30 years. That's pretty amazing. Now, <laughs> it's, I, it is, isn't it? It is. I say to my partner, in the, uh, in, in the gay world, I think you could almost double that time to the Right. Time. Yeah, so it's, it's like, sh- like 60 years. Yeah, straight years and gay years, right? Exactly. exactly. I, I, I'd naturally double it because it's a little bit harder out there for us gay guys to, to stay together, but we we do do it. It is a thing, and you guys proved it well and truly for 30 years. So how did you guys meet? We met in a bar. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, back in, back in 92. 19, yeah, 1992, you know, honey. It's, huh? 1992, yes. That's what I said. Oh, yeah. 92. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> together. Yourself. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, we, yeah, we met in a bar. It was... Um, I, I started early uh, tea dance. He came at Trash Disco, which starts when the sun goes down. And actually, we were on the dance floor. I saw him dancing. He was dancing with a mutual friend. And I just saw these beautiful, sparkly eyes. And I went, I, I want to meet him. And so he left the floor. 
I, I was with my best friend. She was with a dear friend of his. And I walked over to him. I introduced myself, then left really quick. I went to the bathroom. Really room. quick. I, yeah. <laughs> I was, I was, I was kind of shy. Um, not too shy though. I was, uh, I wrote my name and number on a, a card and then went back in as I was walking past. So I stuck it in his back pocket. Where we just, just you know, everybody reset. This was before the internet. This was before texting. This is before email. <laughs> this is before all that stuff. We had to actually look at each other and write something down on a piece of paper. Anyway, I felt somebody grope me, I thought, and I turned around to give whoever it was a piece of my, a small piece of my mind. And I saw him walking away and I went, okay, well, I'll let that slide. It wasn't until later that night when I got home and uh, emptied my pockets under the bedside table that I realized I even had um, his name. I hoped and thought it might be his name and number. I wasn't sure because I didn't check at the time. And so it was about two weeks before I got up the nerve to call him up and ask him out on a date and see exactly who it was. And fortunately, it turned out to be the one I thought it was. So you almost in modern terms left him on red, leaving it for two weeks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Will he or won't he call me back? <laughs> I know it was two weeks and I was like, when? Did you even know that it was me when I called you? Yeah. Yes, I knew it was. Okay. But that's another story. Okay. <laughs> waiting for that call. <laughs> exactly. It was worth now, the wait. Of course. All good things are worth the wait. Yes. Now, if you could go back and tell these guys in the book what it would be like today, what would you say? Oh, man. Could they even have imagined a day when they could get married legally instead of just exchanging rings as they did? And we have so many photographs that show men who have exchanged rings or a ring or something like that. So definitely the intent was in their minds. But for it to actually you know, come to fruition where there would be a day and a time where they would be um, celebrated by their families and friends, where they could legally uh, get married and have a ceremony and people would be supportive of it. I think we could describe it to them, but I think they'd probably look at us like, I think you're crazy or something like that. So you were saying there's a lot of the photos in the collection that they're both wearing rings. Even that was pretty amazing. Yes. Uh, and in fact, it wasn't until we actually started scanning the photographs for the book that we started to notice a lot of rings that had not, had escaped our attention up until then. And uh, it's, a, it's a significant amount of photographs. Neil and I did that in 1992. We gave each other rings. Uh, it was just the two of us, and, and uh, we did the same thing they were doing back then. And what year was marriage equality in the U.S.? Well, Neil and I were able to get legally married in 2006 in Massachusetts. That was the only state in the United States that allowed that. And it looked as though that was going to come to an end really fast. So we went to Massachusetts very quickly, got married and left. And um, <laughs> and uh, then the world started changing around us. And I think it was 2013 when marriage equality was established for maybe 2015, for all uh, couples in all 50 states. Where did the book's title come from? Actually, I would say we did it, but actually I woke up the next morning and Hugh, and we, you know, we discussed a couple of different things, but Hugh said, um, you know, we were thinking of the word love, but uh, the emotion loving uh, came about. Yeah, and- we, um, it was at the very beginning of the point in this where we were imagining and wondering if this collection were to become a book, what would the book look like? What would be the title and what, what would be, what would be, we'd be trying to say. And the word love came up immediately when we looked at the photographs. Well, they're, you know, this is love and that's why we've been collecting them. And love was a little bit too static. And so I extended it to loving and amazingly that title survived all the way to publication. 
And the front photograph on the book, that's a pretty amazing photo. Was that one of the first ones you found or it just was in the collection? It was just in the collection. Uh, and we didn't think, we, we we love all our photographs, but we didn't think of it as being something that would be on the cover of the book. It actually was chosen by our publisher, uh, Five Continents Editions. He uh, he had put together a short presentation and after watching about 15 minutes of it, he started describing a sec. We actually leaned back up a little bit. We had actually picked a photograph that we thought mutually should be on the cover. And so in this meeting with the distributor <laughs> in the US, he said, that photo will never be on the cover of, of this book. And then he started describing the photo that he wanted, which is the one that's on it now. And he, he gave really good reasons for it. The photograph, I think it's on page 35 that we were thinking of is a very aristocratical or a photo. Aristocratic. To, thank you. <laughs> um, and one guy sitting in the other's lap, they both have on beautiful suits. Um, and uh, just, it's a very romantic photograph. It's actually the most mm. expensive photograph in our entire collection. But he said it, it doesn't appeal, uh, wouldn't have a broad appeal, and they're not really looking at you. This photograph, he loved the romantic um, view of it, the the fact that um, they're looking straight at you, but they have that look of love in their eyes. And he said, you, you'll see that photograph across the room anywhere. The in book a bookstore. Will, yeah, and bookstore will stand out. Yeah. And, and he's right. Does. Yeah, no, for sure. And I noticed you guys done a um, a reproduction of that with yourselves. Oh, yeah. That was done in Milan when we were actually meeting. Uh, we brought the photographs to our publisher in Milan to be scanned by the uh, color separator who drove in from Belgium. We had kept a seat. We told people that we were publishing a book, but we didn't tell them anything about what, about what it would be about. And our sneak preview was the two of us posing like the cover of the book without showing it yet. And uh, we didn't reveal the whole project until probably six months later or something like that. Uh, no, three months. yeah, three months later. So yeah, that we, we imitated the cover of the book and in the, in the photograph we published, it's us. And then right above our heads, you can see just the bottom of the cover of the book. And then later we revealed the whole thing when we were letting our friends and family know what the book was going to be about. So you guys have done some pretty amazing things with this book. You've been together for over 30 years. If you could go back and tell your younger self how your life would turn out, what would you say to it? I would tell myself, don't worry. It's all going to work out. It's all going to be fine. This is just temporary. And I would tell myself. We had some rough years we, in the beginning we, is the I point. Know. <laughs> You're going to live a long time and uh, and you will find the love of your life. Yeah. I, I never, I never, ever thought that, you know, I would have what we have, you know, it's. And that's all I dreamed of. Um, and I, we both know, wanted it. You know, yeah. you want the white picket fence and everything and, you know, but you, you don't think it's, in, uh, that you there can no, have it. There are no examples around us in 1992, 93, 94, like that. There was very little to, uh, model yourself after. And, you know, there were a lot of, a lot of people in our, uh, in our circles that maybe weren't a hundred percent supportive of us at the same, you know, during the earliest years. But, you know, uh, we just kept putting one foot in front of the other and, um, made it to, you know, this stage in our relationship, which has been around for about 25 years now, uh, where it's been kind of smooth sailing and, and uh, a very comfortable ride and, and totally and enjoyable every day. We surrounded people who of uh, uh, black minds mm -hmm. and whether they were uh, gay or straight, right. we had tons of, of straight couples that were extremely supportive of us. And, you know, you just, you continue to be yourself. You don't put on an air. Um, and 
people like you for who you are and they'll stay liking you that way. And your family, if they're not that, hopefully they'll come around. It and, took my dad 10 years to come around. So. Yeah. And um, Neil just, I think, nailed it. And that is to say that we stayed true to ourselves. We didn't let ourselves be influenced by some of the forces that were around us at, the, at that time. And we just stayed true to ourselves, our hearts. And we put our faith in the belief that we would end up where we wanted to end up if we did that. Two loving stories there. One in the book, which is out now, which is available at all good bookstores. Plus you guys, Hugh and Neil, thank you so much for coming on LGBTI Conversations today. Thank you for having us. Thanks so much for having us. We really enjoyed it. If you love listening to LGBTI Conversations, make sure to follow. This will help other people find us much easier. And also make sure that you never miss out on an episode. Thanks for listening to LGBTI Conversations with me, Anthony Doig.